0: Welcome to a crossover episode on the Locked On Podcast Network, brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Just visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. The luckiest of hosts in August come together to discuss the third edition of the Delete 8 Locked On Mock Draft. And I say luckiest because if you appear on this podcast, this individual pod, then that means you had a top three pick in this selection process that Doug Branson comes up with, and I'm not entirely sure what goes into the selection process and how Doug makes the order, but he's going to be joining us today alongside the other host that we have alongside myself, Walker Mail of the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We also have Matt Shook of On Pistons, who had the second overall pick in this Delete 8 mock draft. We have Ben Beacon from Lockdown Wolves joining us who had the third overall selection in this mock draft. Guys, how are you doing today?
1: Good, just happy to be here with the second pick. This is nice for the Pistons.
0: <laughs> I bet it is, Ben. How are you feeling with the third? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I feel. I feel. I feel good about number three in this. In this. Uh, how this broke out. So, I don't know. Well, Doug can speak to this too. Uh, being the number one overall selection, it's weird for the Hornets because we are often the worst at having any kind of good luck on the NBA lottery draft night, um, NBA lottery night. And Doug, how surprised were you? I don't, first of all, how did you even come up with this process in in order to rig it for the Hornets to get the number one overall pick?
2: Listen, if I explained it to you, we'd be here all day. It's a lot of complicated uh, mathematics. Um, I stay up all night uh, calculating the many ways, but I will say, yes, you are right that the Hornets having the number one overall pick is the most fantasy of these delete eight box drafts uh, that we could get because the Hornets just simply don't move up in the lottery. So this was amazing.
1: Well, let, me, let me push back on this as a, as a Pistons guy, though, because I think every every fan base says this, I think, right, that they're the unlucky ones, woe is us, uh, and and maybe the Pistons are that because, hey, the Pistons have never moved up in the lottery in franchise history. I mean, you don't get any worse luck than that, right? I mean, the Darko pick is the one outlier, but that was technically Memphis moving up in the lottery, and the pick is conveyed to Detroit. So never moving up any single spot in the lottery in franchise history is pretty
3: good. And and I'm going to chime in from the Timberwolves' perspective. (laughs) Same thing for the Timberwolves. The one year they got Anthony Towns was uh, they had the best odds to get the number one pick back under the old system. So that was the only year that they had the number one pick every other year. They've had the worst record several other times. They've actually never moved up. It's always been the same or they've moved down.
0: Okay, so this is just the misfit mock draft then. <laughs> I guess is, so, yeah. This is what this is. All of us complain all the time. This is at complete the highest level of fantasy for all of us. This is really all of our dreams come true. Um, basically, for the Hornets You're getting welcome. the number one pick, yes. Thank you so much, Doug, with all that work that you did, making sure that all of our franchises, the misfits of the NBA, actually are able to get the top in this mock draft. Real quickly what I want to do is I want to set it up to where we each talk about our team needs some of the players that we're looking at um, you know, maybe just the overall process of what we thought our teams did this year, maybe exceeded expectations, did not live up to expectations and then in the second and third segments we'll take care of two of the teams in the second segment and then in the third segment we'll finally take care of the third overall pick with Ben Beacon of the Locked on Wolves podcast. He'll talk to us about our third one. So first Matt, let's talk um, about the, the Pistons first, you know what what kind of things did you notice from Detroit this season? Did they exceed expectations? What would be your overall synopsis if you had to talk about? It?
1: Yeah, it was a bit of a house of cards coming into the season. Anytime you're banking on Blake Griffin as your best player and the health of him, obviously you've got a little bit of an issue there. And that was realized this year. Derek Rose, obviously probably exceeded expectations, certainly health wise, but it's just, there's just not a whole lot of talent with this team right now. We knew that they were uh, certainly in the bottom half of the NBA and they played out to being the fifth worst record heading into the lottery, looking at the odds coming up there. So yeah, certainly a disappointing season, but you know, for those of us looking for a- a silver lining maybe this is the kind of season that this team needed to snap out of this you know Charlotte Hornets like middle of the pack type of team where you're not good enough to be good you're not bad enough to to get the Carl Anthony Towns type of first pick of, in the draft so uh, maybe this is a signaling of a new era kind of heading downward but maybe that's what this team needs as far as kicking a pants uh, specifically you know this is a team that needs everything of course when you're this bad there's not a single spot on the court that you absolutely cannot draft that being said pretty heavy on shooting guards that are young right now looking at luke Kennard, bruce brown svima kailuk as guys that can fill that two position maybe swing to a three as well so uh but yeah certainly a a value a wing is such a high value that if that guy was there you'd want to take it however this draft doesn't seem to be presenting too many of those wings. So point guard, heavy draft, and a couple of intriguing bigs, you know, Kong Wu and uh, James Wiseman, pretty much plays into the Pistons' hands because a center and a point guard are positions that the Pistons need. I know that that's not maybe the most value in today's NBA, but for a new general manager, Troy Weaver, I think that the talent in this draft in particular kind of lines up with what the Pistons need. So that's a good thing.
0: Ben, the Timberwolves made a big trade in the middle of the season when they got rid of the Andrew Wiggins contract. In exchange, they get D'Angelo Russell. Uh, what did you think about everything that the Timberwolves did this year?
3: Yeah, so um, I think overall it was it was a disappointing season. They started ten and eight. Um, it was you know uh, there was a, there was a sense that the new regime, Gerson Rosa taking over about a year ago, year and, year and three months ago as as president of basketball operation, operations that. There was going to be this, this you know, sea change in how they operate. And certainly offensively, things changed for the better. They shot a lot more threes. They got to the free throw line. The defense was still bad. Um, and then after Towns got hurt in December, there was, or actually it happened about the same time, there was a big downturn. They had two double-digit losing streaks, um, which obviously isn't ideal. And they were quickly buried. And so they went ahead and pulled the trigger on the Russell trade that you mentioned. And Russell only played in, he played in 12 games in Timberwolves uniform, only one with Carl Anthony Towns. And so we don't really know what that's going to look like. Um, I think it's I mean, Towns is arguably the best pick and roll big in the game. And Russell's one of the better pick and roll point guards in the game. So there's obviously a lot of offensive upside. But the team where the holes are is is defense. Um, neither Towns or Russell are above average defenders. They're You know, I think I would say Towns is average at best and Russell's pretty below average. Um, So the Wolves, what they really need is three and D wings. They need guys who can knock down threes. They need guys who can play defense really at the two, three and four positions. So almost flip from what what Matt said about the Pistons needs is the Wolves have their point guard. They have their center. And so this draft actually doesn't line up with what the Wolves really need as much as I'd like it to. And, and we'll get to my pick obviously later, but frankly, you know, trading back, I think is, is, is probably what the Timberwolves are going to look at doing in real life if possible, just because there's so much of this point guard and center talent towards the top of the draft. And some of those three and D guys, this draft is a little bit deeper and those guys whose floor might be a little higher, but their ceiling may be a little lower. Um, and those are the types of guys that the Wolves are going to want to plug in next to Russell and Towns as they try and basically raise themselves from a, you know, just to a seventh or eighth seed, and then eventually strike for a for a third
0: star, likely via trade at some point down the road. Well, I have to be I have to be the only host here that actually was happy with what our team did this season because the Hornets were going to be the team that had its best player in franchise history leave them. And we were supposed to be... The Hornets might have been the worst uh, the worst team in the NBA this year. If everybody had a say in who it was going to be, the Hornets were certainly in contention to do so. And they go 23 and 42. They finish as the nine seed just on the outside looking into all of those teams. Or they're the nine seed now, but they were finishing on the outside looking in as far as all of the teams that were invited to Orlando. And that's I don't think anybody would have expected them to kind of have that record and to finish as uh, high as they did in the Eastern Conference. Devontae Graham was one of the best stories of the year. The second round pick that Mitch Kupchak traded up for did an excellent job uh, this season and probably should have been, in my opinion, a finalist in the Most Improved Player of the Year award, but was not mentioned there. You got some recognition from some stars in the NBA. But even guys like P.J. Washington, he's going to be in contention for the Um, All first team, uh, all rookie first team uh, selection process that they have at the end of the year. And so honestly, with a 23 and 42 record that they had, I think the Hornets exceeded expectations where James Borrego, I think, showed you some good things as a head coach. Um, And even with that being said that they exceeded expectations. This is still a team that is void of a lot of talent. This is... Mitch Kupchak has no problem telling you that. In the exit interviews, General Manager Mitch Kupchak said, it's not going to affect their draft process whatsoever where they might feel okay at one particular position. Point guard, wing, big, doesn't matter. Everybody's on the board. They have a ton of needs. If you had to pin it down to one, I think it'd probably be rim protection. That's something they've talked about quite a bit. Playmaking on the wing, where Malik Monk did a good job as developing a part of that, and Devontae was an excellent passer this season. But still, playmaking on the wing, I think, would be something that would really help this team. And rim protection would really help this team. But it doesn't matter. Just get the most talented player on your board, which I imagine is the case for most teams. But especially with the Hornets, you might feel good about them, but It's also not... I don't know if there's a guy on the roster that you feel can be that all-star, that multiple-time all-star. And of course, that's what every NBA franchise is in need of. Uh, What is very talented, what is something that you would not consider a misfit is rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. And rockauto.com process and their prices are the same for everybody and they're reliably low rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear kind of like what airlines do rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts tail lamps motor oil and even new carpet whether it's for your classic or your daily driver you can get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door Hornets number one overall pick. I'll talk about who we selected next on the locked on podcast Delete 8 third edition mock draft episode.: This is locked on Hornets
2: They're running their rookies to Greensboro. They're driving them to Greensboro and then driving them back the same day to play in an NBA game. I cannot <laughs> wait until the hornets load manage It's time for more of the locked on Hornets podcast.
0: So much to my surprise, I had the number one overall selection when Doug sent us out the email as to we were going to be doing this again, right? We did this in June. We did this in July. And now we're doing it in August. And the Hornets had the eighth overall selection in the previous two mock drafts that we did as a part of the Delete 8 teams. The first selection we had was Devin Bissell. The second eighth overall selection that we had, we actually went with James Wiseman. So now we had everybody we wanted to choose from at our disposal. We could pick anybody we wanted. And the number one player that we picked in this mock draft, it was LaMelo Ball. He hopefully can be the point guard of the future for the Charlotte Hornets. I think the reason we went with him is, you know, this is a, a draft that is considered very, not only weak, but very weak by most. And I think when you look at LaMelo, the guy immediately has one elite trait in his vision and his passing coming into the league. And as I talked about and some of the needs that the Hornets have, they certainly need playmaking. I think they also need size in the backcourt. The backcourt players that they have with the Charlotte Hornets right now, it consists of Devontae Graham, who you who you're hoping can be a pillar of the organization. They have Terry Rogier, who, you know, is a little on the shorter side as well, and and you can possibly move on from him especially if that big contract is wanted by somebody else on the off chance that might happen you know certainly he's not a pillar of the organization nothing that you really want to hold on to as you know as we try to rebuild here in Charlotte but Malik Monk could be that guy as well and he's on the smaller side so LaMelo Ball has elite size he's also somebody that is the best passer in this draft can be among the best passers immediately upon stepping on an NBA court, and I think those two things are just too attractive to pass up in a draft that has so much weaknesses all across the board. You know, he's got such quick feet. He's so quick. He's so crafty getting to the hoop, and also he's he's just got that physical size where I think he can put some weight on him. It doesn't look like a frame that necessarily he's going to be skinny for the rest of his life. The NBA does a great job of putting weight on people anyway. But I think LaMelo does have that kind of frame where maybe he can grow into his body, create some contact. I don't think he's weak or soft by any stretch, even right now. Give me LaMelo Ball as the number one overall prospect with some of those elite traits that he has, even if the shooting form scares the hell out of me. I'm really scared about the shooting form, even if I think he's shooting something under like 20. I think it's 19% is what he's shooting from three. There are certain red flags, but I think there are big red flags with everybody. So Lamella Ball was the number one overall selection. Doug, I'll throw it to you first when me and Nada made that selection. How did you feel about seeing Ball in a Hornets uniform?
2: I think it's the natural fit for the Hornets. Uh, They need a player that has the potential to drag them out of a mediocrity, but I think if if you're somebody that views the Hornets as a team that has some burgeoning young talent already and has the potential to elevate themselves to playoff level basketball, if you think they're close now, then Lamelo Ball might not necessarily help them in the ways they need to be helped because they need to be helped defensively right now. I mean, they were they were good at producing offense; they were a sieve on defense, and so I, I could see an argument against Lamelo in that respect. Uh, I'm not sure that there's a perfect fit for them at the wing position in this draft and in the top three necessarily Um, that that would make sense. Um, But I think if you're someone that says, hey, I'm tired of Charlotte, you know, if they even when they get to the playoffs not being a threat, then you have to like taking LaMelo Ball because he does present you that opportunity to have a star player in the future.
0: As far as guys, I considered, you know, Anthony Edwards was in the conversation. Uh, My co-host, Nada, he's a big fan of Anthony Edwards as well. I'm surprised he actually relented as much as he did to saying, yeah, that's fine. Let's go ahead and go with LaMelo Ball. Number one overall, you know, I, I've got the guys that I really like. I really like Devin Vassell, and would have selected him if I was, you know, too much further down in the NBA draft uh, process. You know, I, I, that's somebody I really like. Killian Hayes is someone that I also, you know, it, try to make cases for, but really there really isn't anybody else that I really considered more than Anthony Edwards in exchange or in place of one LaMelo ball. Real quickly, guys, Matt, before we get to you, what are your thoughts on a LaMelo ball in the NBA? Just him overall as a, pros- a prospect. Matt, let's go ahead with you first.
1: Me individually, like I'm not huge on LaMelo ball, especially as I'm looking at the Detroit Pistons and the culture and trying to build some things. But yes, I, I mean, the passing is obvious. The ball handling is obvious. Some, a couple of transcendent skills there. I put ball and Edwards and James Wiseman into a category as guys that actually have all-star type of ceilings. Will they get there? I'm kind of dubious really on all three of them, Mm. but uh, yes, there certainly is that chance where I look dumb two years from now after saying LaMelo ball, you know, shouldn't be the first pick of the draft if the Pistons do it. So I get it totally. And uh, there's a lot of Pistons fans that would be disappointed if Charlotte takes them out number one off the board.
3: Ben, how high are you on LaMelo ball? I, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head right off the bat, Walker, with uh, talking about his one elite skill. I mean, there aren't that many guys in this draft that have one thing that they do at an elite level, and and Ball is the one you immediately point to and say he has elite court vision. He can pass with either hand from any angle. He, um, you know, can see things before they happen. Kind of, sort of, some of the things that maybe we've heard about, uh, you know, Ricky Rubio as a Timberwolves fan, you know, ten plus years ago. That's sort of a of a you know sixth sense, and so I think. In that sense, you know, if you can add a playmaker with that ability to your roster, um, you know, looking at Charlotte's roster, as you said, Anthony Edwards was the only other name that really made a lot of sense at number one for me, for you guys. And so if I was in your spot, that's what I would go with as well. Um, You know, he, as, uh, as Matt said about the Pistons, I don't know that ball's a great fit for the Timberwolves if the Wolves are at number one, but I like his fit with the Hornets.
0: Yeah. It, you know, just somebody with some size that can help. And even if he doesn't reach his potential, um, you know, being the number one overall pick, I do think he's going to make other players on the roster better. I think that guy more than most considered at number one overall, he's going to help the rest of the roster get better as well. All right, Matt, Detroit Pistons on the clock. Number two overall pick. Why don't you tell everyone who you selected and why you selected?
1: Yeah, we're going to throw a wrench into this whole thing and screw up the whole exercise here because <laughs> you we're going to take, take a little bit of a wild card here at number two. First of all, you know we're happy to be moving up to number two. First time we're ever moving up in the lottery, so Pistons Nation's pretty happy about that. Of course, the the first thing you want to do is make some calls on some trades. Maybe I was a little bit derelict in, in doing too much, but we did have conversations with the Chicago Bulls. This is a team that's been stuck in the pretty good young players but not really going anywhere uh, spot with Levine and Markkinen and, and when. Wendell Carter as well, they were actually talking about Blake Griffin, and that's an interesting one, obviously, because uh, a tough contract with a couple more years and a lot of money, uh, but when I'm looking at guys like Marken and Wendell Carter, obviously very good players, but... You know especially uh, marketing and being extension eligible this summer where are you going right do you want to be that team that gives them 75 80 million dollars another year later kick the can down the road same kind of conversation about Wendell Carter obviously that makes the Pistons better and makes them better a year or two even down the road but if you're thinking about building a championship team do you really want to take guys that not not that they haven't worked out in Chicago but certainly aren't fulfilling uh, their promise so to me Blake Griffin in the locker room unless you're getting a lot of nice assets for it. We couldn't really make a deal that made a lot of sense with the Pistons and and really right now you'd be selling low on Blake Griffin given that he had the injuries last year. So to me, you bite the bullet, you keep him around for at least a half a season, see how things go and maybe he could be someone who could actually get you some value at the trade deadline or next year as opposed to cashing in assets to get rid of him. So that's kind of the long story there. So we decided to make the pick instead. Um, Obviously like I mentioned, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman are guys that could make um, all-star teams down the road and of the two the Pistons thought about James Wiseman more than Anthony Edwards again same kind of complaints with Anthony Edwards that I had about LaMelo Ball I'm looking at Troy Weaver coming in here, trying to set his culture, trying to return Pistons basketball to what it was, seeing too many defensive lapses from Anthony Edwards, seeing too many bad shots from Anthony Edwards as well. Again, recognize the talent, recognize that two years from now, we could look foolish with some of these opinions. But, um, and plus, you know, again, nobody on the Pistons roster is worth not taking a certain player because of fit. But I do look at Luke Kennard, Bruce Brown, and Sfima Kailuk as guys. You've already got a log jam at that position of young players that need minutes, that need to improve and maybe showcase themselves for future trades as well or see what you have. Evaluate whether you want to give them a decent extension for their first non-rookie deal. So it's it's not a great situation at two. Again, if we believed in Edwards a lot, we would take him. Um, so I And Wiseman, there's a lot of questions. And again, this is probably the guy that was number three on my list at this point right now. I could see the Pistons doing that. Uh, Pistons fans won't be happy because you just get out of the Andre Drummond situation, building around a high drafted center. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be some Pistons fans that wouldn't be too happy about that one. Number two on my list was actually the guy that I took in the last two exercises, number five and number six, without moving up, and that's Yeko Okongwu of USC. And if I was being completely honest, maybe I would have taken Okongwu, but wanted to switch things up a little bit here. Um, just, to, you know, an outstanding uh, athlete, a guy who's going to, work hard on defense, a guy who's going to be emerging a little bit on offense, got the nice free throw touch so he can show a little bit in the the shooting department, maybe down the road, and certainly a guy who can finish with both hands and do some things around the basket, rebound well on both ends of the court, love the way he competes. But speaking of guys who you love the way he competes, we're going to go with the pick, again, throwing a wrench into the the situation here, and that's Tyrese Halliburton of Iowa State, who I know, yeah, didn't go, and I think the whole first exercise that we did here of the top eight teams and I think was uh somewhere in the five six range the second time around so Tyrese Halliburton out of Iowa State a guy who am I sure he's going to be a point guard in the league no I'm not sure um but I do know that he's a guy who competes he's a guy who it's an unorthodox looking shot but it's gone down uh, with consistency at the college level we're building culture we're playing defense uh, we're passing the ball around, and uh, as far as uh, you know, good enough size to where obviously he's got to build muscle like every single uh, teenager going to the NBA, him to obviously a larger extent, a really skinny guy, but he's got the good size, the good frame where you can fall back on the fact that maybe he can be a wing in this league if it doesn't work out in terms of a pure point. The other thing about the Pistons is you already have Luke Kennard and Bruce Brown, guys that are you know wings that can handle the ball as well. So maybe between a little point guard by committee kind of thing, which I'm surprised that more teams maybe haven't gone with in the NBA as well. Killian Hayes was a guy that uh, the athleticism scares me a little bit Um, and like I said, I don't see a future as an off-ball type of player for him if it doesn't work out athletically for him as a point guard. And, uh, yeah, Devin Vassell, another guy you like here in Pistons land. Isaac Okoro, another guy you like uh, for tools, but uh, just didn't seem to uh, fit at number two. And I know there's a lot of people who would say Halliburton doesn't rise up to the level of worthy of the number two pick, but I think it's more important for the Pistons to not miss on this one as opposed to swinging for the fences and maybe uh, uh, swinging and missing with an Anthony Edwards of James. Wiseman type, and instead keeping that culture going, Halliburton's not going to take you to the playoffs next year. You're going to be a lottery top five team again next year, and maybe you get a little lucky again, get a Cade Cunningham or a Jalen Green, and now you're building something going forward.
0: Well, so it was a cr- it was a, a, a pick I didn't expect to see, but this is the kind of draft where you might see like that something like that happening because it's not like we are so emphatic on anybody absolutely being the number one overall, number two overall selection to where a guy like Tyrese Halliburton or whoever you might name could sneak up into that top tier category where you are talking about what most people had maybe going 10 in mock drafts could sneak up into the top five, maybe even top three. Ben, before we get to your pick in the third segment, what did you think about Tyrese Halliburton going number two to the Pistons?
3: Yeah. I mean, obviously a shocker. It's actually a little bit in your description of the way that this draft is probably, We, I mean, we don't know how it's going to fall in the top 10. It almost feels like Anthony Bennett going first overall. And I, I don't wish Matt, I don't <laughs> wish an Anthony Bennett level bust on oh, no. your selection. Of course, um, as a team that had Anthony Bennett for a full season, I, I, uh, I feel like it's important for me to say that, but it, like, we really don't know what's going to happen. And this is a perfect example of that it makes a ton of sense. If a went second. I mean, that feels like a reach, but I mean, that wouldn't shock either if that happened. And so, um, you know, I guess, uh, I don't love Halliburton as a prospect. In fact, uh, you know, we'll get to my pick here in a second. But I think um, I, I think I my analysis on killing Hayes versus Tyrese Halliburton is a little bit different. And um, I feel like Halberton's ceiling maybe not isn't quite as high as I'd like it to be at number two. But then again, in this draft, you can make a case for almost anybody at number two. So um, I, think you, I think you did a good job of making that case uh, for the Pistons. Right.
0: Ben doesn't like it. Matt does. He's got a different analysis of maybe somebody else that Matt Shook just mentioned um, when he was considering who they might select with the second overall pick for the Detroit Pistons. We will come back with Ben Beacon's pick for the Wolves coming up next on the Locked On Podcast Network's third edition of the Delete 8 Mock Draft. This is Locked On Hornets. Have you fallen out of love with uh, Lonnie Walker yet, or are you still in love with him? I think there's still a chance. Yeah, I know. There's still a chance. I think (laughs) he's playing pretty well right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Ben, we just got done with Matt's pick. I picked LaMelo Ball number one. Matt picks Tyrese Halliburton number two. Ben, who was your third overall selection when you were selecting for Minnesota?
3: Yeah. So the first couple of times we had the, the fourth pick uh, once, and we also had the third pick another time. Um, the first time when we had the third pick, we took Obi Toppin. Second time around with the fourth pick, we also took Obi Toppin. This time around, I wanted to do something a little different. And also, um, my my personal big board has shifted a little. So I went ahead and took Killian Hayes at number three, um, who I think there are some direct comparisons to Halberton, who went at number two to Detroit, um, as, as Matt alluded to. Uh, I first I'll talk about the fit, I think with the wolves, and then I'll get into some of the trade talks. I I think Hayes is basically, and and this is weird, but he's almost a carbon copy of D'Angelo Russell. And, and I know that sounds weird that I want him on the wolves, but I think part of the reasoning that I had behind taking Obi Toppin was doubling down on things that the Timberwolves were already good at. And I think that Killian Hayes does that in the backcourt. There's obviously defensive concerns. Um, but he's a versatile offensive player. Um, he's, not a, he's not a dynamic athlete. He's almost the exact same size with the exact same wingspan as D'Angelo Russell. Um, all the comps I've seen, crazy enough, have been D'Angelo Russell. Even But if you just watch his his tape um, from playing overseas this past year, and it, it looks like D'Angelo Russell at Ohio State. It, it looks exactly like him. Um, both him and Russell, the, the jump shot has developed. He's not a knockdown shooter, but he's getting better. He got better progressively throughout the season. So I think you pair a couple of above average higher volume shooters in the backcourt who both have creative playmaking ability, um, to score in the open court. They both have solid size and wingspans. They're both basically six five with a six eight, six nine wingspan. And if and if you can get them to try defensively, which I understand is is a lot to ask, especially at this point for Russell. There's been recent, you know, poor track <laughs> record with his effort on defense. But if you can get those guys to try with their size, you add, you know, you've got Jarrett Culver, Josh Kogi who are solid to above average defenders on the wing. And if Towns tries defensively as well, you've got a bunch of guys who are above average in size. They can all shoot threes. The offensive possibilities are through the roof. And defensively, you should be able to get away with a, a decent defensive unit um, as long as you have a couple guys on the wing. You know, if Jake Lehman shows up defensively, you acquire a guy maybe who can be a 3 and D type uh, player to to plug in on the wing. Um, so I really love his fit offensively. And I think that the, the floor for Killian Hayes is higher than even a guy like Obi Toppin. I, I think Toppin will be good. But defensively, I think Hayes Hayes's floor is higher. Um, and then quickly on the trade talks that I had, I also talked to the Bulls. So evidently, they were pretty uh, pretty <laughs> uh, active in trying to move up. They had floated Zach Levine, who you know I, I think Timberwolves fans would be interested in, re, in a reunion. In hindsight, I wish that Wiggins had been the guy traded to Chicago instead of uh, Levine in the Jimmy Butler deal a few years ago. Um, but the salaries would be real tough to get Levine back to Minnesota, so that didn't really go anywhere. The other team was the Knicks um, trying to move up. They had actually offered, and I'm I don't, hopefully they're not upset that I'm just going to go ahead and, and put their offer out there, but they offered the number seven and their second round pick that they got from somebody else, uh, maybe Charlotte, actually, number 38. Um, and that was close to enough. But I don't think the Wolves want yet another draft pick this year. We don't need four rookies coming onto the team, um, and the seven—you know—to move up four spots, getting a third, uh, a thirty-eight number thirty-eight pick isn't quite enough to make up that difference. We don't have the cap space to take on any salaries for any players, um, so I—I I just ended up standing pat and taking the best player that I thought was available. I—I I really think in real life, if this happens, the Timberwolves probably trade back with somebody that wants Anthony Edwards. Um, he's the obvious player here who. I didn't take that many would say is the best player available. I think probably ceiling-wise, that's true. I've I've talked about this on the previous mock drafts. The comparisons to Andrew Wiggins to me are too stark for me to ignore. Um and I think I speak for all Timberwolves fans when I say that, that would be uh yeah. that would be uh, scary. So um I do think the Wolves would try and trade back because there's gonna be somebody that falls in love with Edwards at number three. And if he is on the board at number three, which would be a surprise, somebody's gonna pony up to trade up and take him.
0: All right, so let's just go ahead down the list with the other selections made in this mock draft. Number four, Atlanta, actually took Anthony Edwards. It was the longest that he has, the furthest, I should say, that Anthony Edwards actually fell in the first then, uh, then compared to the first two previous mock drafts. Then it was Devin Vassell, selected by Golden State at number five. Isaac Okoro, selected by Cleveland at number six. Anyeka Kungwu selected by the Knicks at seven. And then it was James Wiseman, selected by those bull that had been trying to trade with a couple of people on this podcast James Wiseman would round out the delete eight teams Doug you were listening to all of the selections me going LaMelo Matt going Tyrese Halliburton and then uh, Ben going with Killian Hayes what did you think of the three picks with the three fits we got your analysis on LaMelo what did you think of the other two
2: well, I'm glad you finally uh, came to me as someone that was very high on Bowl Bowl in the draft, and I think that's finally <laughs> people are starting to understand my genius when it comes to the 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 draft uh, Bachelor Roses yeah. that I give out every year. I'm not high on Ty, uh, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, so I don't I don't love the picket two, although uh, Matt shooks reasoning. <laughs> Uh, started to chip away at me a little bit. I I don't love him though. So uh, he is definitely not getting my draft rose. So I'm not, I'm not high on him. I I don't know about Anthony Edwards either. I mean, it it just, I don't know it doesn't seem like the narrative around him is positive in in a lot of ways. And so that may be reflecting itself in this draft, although I still see him mocked uh, in, in the top three. But I think one interesting thing is that because you, you, you had this situation where two and three went a different way. If you look deeper into this mock draft, it was Onyeka Okungwu who fell and then Wiseman falls all the way to eight. And I think it really shows that this draft is very fragile and that if you see one of the bigs like Okungwu or Toppin or uh, Wiseman jump, then that means really that one of those guards are going to fall. It almost is like a one-to-one relationship right now with guards and bigs in this draft because they are so – I mean, a lot of these players are just diametrically opposed in terms of what their skill sets offer a team. Uh, There aren't a lot of two-way options uh, in this draft. It's either you you need offense or you need defense. Uh, So it was really interesting uh, who dropped because of these two uh, picks that went a different way. All those picks, four, five, six, seven, eight, all quality players, all players that the Pistons were thinking about
1: at number two. And uh, Killian Hayes will throw into that category as well, which uh, I kind of think that that's maybe the theme of where we're at right now is, this I mean if, you know LaMelo Ball being number one and maybe you're very high on him but maybe one of the least important lotteries of all time for these teams because you're probably going to get a good player in the top eight and if you pick James Wiseman at eight guess what you got to pay him less than LaMelo Ball and Tyrese Halliburton or whoever goes one and two so you know pretty good consolation prize for teams that and uh, end up not winning the lottery and I know we all want to win the lottery get that value and maybe get the player you want the most but like I said if Tyrese Halliburton is available and the Pistons drop to number eight or number nine that's fine too so I mean maybe maybe you want to lose the lottery
2: well, and, and that's, that's precisely why Matt, that I do think that one of these three teams will slide up into the top three or, and for, and in the case of uh, the wolves, they may jump into the top two or number the one. the one time you don't the want one to win time, the lottery. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the one time the unluckiest three teams, they're going to find a way to get lucky exactly when you don't want to get lucky.
0: Yeah. That would be the uh, perfect ending to the misfit the <laughs> elite eight mock draft here. As far as the teams that we're selecting in the top three, make sure you follow us all, all on Twitter, by the way. Uh, you can, can follow Locked On Pistons and Locked On Wolves, both as I just said them on Twitter at Locked On Pistons and at Locked On Wolves. Also follow the host. Uh you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt underscore Shook underscore. That's S-C-H-O-C-H. And then you can follow Ben on Twitter um at uh B Beacon. B-E-E-C-K-E-N. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug's on Twitter at Doug Branson L O H. Thanks again for joining us on another mock draft here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a good day.